Huckabee is brought to you in part by Trivita.com, helping you experience greater wellness. Tonight on Huckabee, Matt Whitaker reveals the sabotage of an American president. This is not the way it's done and this can never happen again. Charlie Daniels on protecting our veterans from the coronavirus. And Governor Greg Abbott is reopening Texas. People are are tired of the lockdown. Uh, People need to get back to normal. That's Trey Corley in the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Bilbrey. And now, here's Mike Huckabee. And welcome to the show. And this week, we are back in a limited way in our beautiful Huckabee Theater in Hendersonville, Tennessee, just outside of Nashville. Now, we're not going to have our studio audience for a while, and we are taking extraordinary measures to keep our distance from each other, both to set a good example and because we don't want no stinking virus. Well, I was so glad barbershops finally opened. I hadn't gone that long without a haircut since I was in college, and my hair was on my shoulders back then. I honestly wish I could still grow it like that. Come to think of it, there are a lot of things I wish I could do now that I could do when I was 20. Well, the response to the coronavirus has revealed some deep differences in our country. In some states, governors, county executives, and mayors have acted with a rather heavy hand in restricting the lives and livelihoods of citizens. Sometimes it just didn't make sense. In Virginia, Governor Ralph Northam, you know, the governor who once wore blackface and did Michael Jackson impersonations. He thought it was okay to keep the liquor stores open, but not the churches. He believed that abortion clinics should be open, but not elective surgery to have a hip replacement or even a dentist visit to get a tooth filled. Then Governor Whitmer of Michigan thought that going into a supermarket was just fine, but not sitting in a fishing boat in the middle of a deserted lake. You could buy a hammer or a saw, but you couldn't get your lawn mowed. Now, how those policies made anyone safe is beyond me. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo was heaped with praise by the media for his long-winded daily press briefings that were televised to the other 49 states that, quite frankly, weren't that interested. Yet his decision to place COVID-19 patients in nursing homes led to a tragically high death rate in those nursing homes. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who oversees a population larger than New York and with far more older citizens, by the way, many of whom had escaped New York's high taxes, horrible traffic, high cost, and bad weather, he was vilified by the media for not caring. And yet the COVID death rate in Florida is 10% of that in New York. He took a very different approach in allowing local governments to drive what stayed open and what was closed. And he was excoriated for it by the press goons, but sure looks like he was right and they look like fake news. I'm trying to get used to wearing a face mask. I hadn't worn one since I was a kid out trick-or-treating. In fact, I tried to knock on a few doors to get some candy in the neighborhood, but people thought I was a psycho. Now, when people try to shake my hand, I just tell them, we're playing chase, and I don't want to be it. 
And a lot of restaurants are doing takeout where they just set it out on a table for you to come and pick up. You know what? I found that I can just go up, grab a bag, and take off. It's always a big surprise what those people ordered whose food I grabbed. And of course, counselors are finding their caseloads have tripled because so many people are feeling down about discovering that the government didn't consider their job to be essential. Hey, that's okay. A lot of the people in the government apparently aren't that essential, like Congress, because Nancy Pelosi told them, stay home until August. Of course, they still get paid. Now, I haven't been on the plane in over 11 weeks. If I do fly, I'm going to have to wear a mask the whole time. So I'm a little confused. I've got to virtually be subjected to a strip search for security, but I now have to wear a face covering like a member of Antifa or Al-Qaeda? Well, we'll weather all this, but life may never be the same. But one thing you can count on, we're going to bring you a great new show every week, no matter what it takes to make it happen. And by the way, when you watch our show, we don't make you wear a mask. In fact, you don't even have to wash your hands when you handle the remote on your TV. That is Living Dangerously. My first guest tonight is the 48th governor of the great state of Texas. This weekend, under phase two of the governor's reopening plan, Texans can go back to restaurants, rodeos, bingo halls, and bars. In other words, they can go back to being Texas. Would you please welcome a great friend, Governor Greg Abbott. Governor, it's great to have you here. And uh, congratulations to Texas getting back in business. I think people are ready, aren't they? Well, uh, people are ready. Listen, people are, are tired of the lockdown. Uh, people need to get back to normal, but uh, people are tired of the unemployment lines. Uh, they want to go out and earn a paycheck. They want to pay their bills. You know, here's one thing about Texans, uh, and that is they're not looking for a handout from government. They just want to go back to work. Uh, and so part of this is allowing Texans to return to the jobs they love and give them the ability to put food on their tables. The other part is allowing people to have that sense of normalcy, whether it be going to bingo halls or, or restaurants or whatever the case may be, but also we're opening up youth sports camps, the, the kinds of things that are so important to these families where Little League Baseball is going to come back in the state of Texas and uh, these other sports that get to play and, and the summer camps that kids get to go to. Uh, there is this uh, almost urgency uh, for people to get back to a sense of normalcy. However, Governor, as you know, uh, we have to continue to do this in ways that maintain safe health practices. I think that's an important point to make, Governor, is that this isn't some reckless opening up where everybody goes back to doing business just like they did before. They're, they're safeguards that you're putting into place, but you never lock the state down like New York or California, yet you've had a fraction of the cases of states like that. So why should I be listening to Andrew Cuomo's idea of uh, what we should do instead of listening to you, our Governor DeSantis in Florida? Texas has one of the lowest death rates uh, in the United States of America, and we have the second highest recovery rate. Uh, and so Texans are on the pathway to uh, returning to good health. But again, we're not going to take things like that for granted. We will, uh, we're, we're kind of in a transition period right now. We're, we're in the period where uh, we have been through uh, this 
uh, distancing practices and things like that. And we need to continue those uh, as we get to the point in time here just a few months from now where we will have these therapeutic drugs that people could take that will be able to treat people who test positive for COVID-19. So uh, our goal is to, as you know, before this happened, Texas was number one in the United States economically for job growth, et cetera. Uh, we want to maintain uh, that economic leading position in our country. And we're doing that as we continue to open up while maintaining these safe practices. You, you've had a lot of people in California move their businesses to Texas. That's been happening for a long time. My guess is that in light of this, uh, you may have to put a gate up just keep people from overwhelming you because I think people are going to be looking to come to states that are business friendly, that don't want to regulate people out of business, that don't want to shut people down, but rather figure out how to open them up. What are you doing? And then let's use the example of Elon Musk, who said, you know, he, he's just about ready to get out of California, probably to head to Texas. Well, so I've had several conversations with Elon Musk, and obviously, as you have seen from what he said publicly, he is very frustrated with California, but you know, part of that frustration predated uh, the whole pandemic situation, uh, as it has with so many other businesses that are trying to uh, get out of California. But whether it be uh, California or a multitude of other states, despite us going through this pandemic for the past couple of months, during that time period, I have continued to work on economic development. I have received a lot of phone calls from a lot of businesses uh, from across the country that during the course of this pandemic, they want to come here. And let me tell you why, uh, whether it be in Silicon Valley or New York City in the financial sector, one thing these businesses have realized is they don't need to have these high cost offices in Manhattan or high cost offices uh, in Silicon Valley. Uh, they are able to work in, in a distance or a remote way uh, for part of the, their employee base. Uh, and they can have lower costs with greater efficiencies uh, and better results by coming to Texas and locating in Texas. Governor, the president pretty much let governors manage their own states, which is uh, true to the 10th Amendment. Uh, a lot of people may not recognize how big a deal that was in a policy perspective that the president didn't say, look, I'm going to tell you what you can and can't do. He let you make that decision for the state of Texas. Why was that important uh, for the people of Texas? Now, this is not anything that began with the pandemic. This began uh, when the president took the oath of office. Uh, he was clear from day one in his communication with governors uh, that he believed in, in the 10th Amendment, uh, that he was going to empower governors to run their own states. He was going to respect uh, the rightful position under the Constitution that states have. And so it's so refreshing to have a president who understands, who believes in it, and who adheres to uh, the 10th Amendment. And we've seen that play out in this pandemic. Well, and we've seen the successes of governors like you uh, who managed this very thoughtfully and carefully, Governor DeSantis and Governor Kemp and others. Uh, Governor, we're delighted to have you here. Thank you very much, and we hope you continue to have a great story to tell in Texas. Thank you so much. God bless and be safe out there. Our thanks to Texas Governor Greg Abbott. You can keep up with the governor on Twitter at GovAbbott. And be sure to visit the governor's own website at gregabbott.com. Keith Bilbrey is standing by. He's going to tell you who else we've got on this great show tonight. Keith, I turn it over to you. Well, coming up, former Attorney General Matt Whitaker and religious freedom advocate Brian Gibson, country music's Charlie Daniels, veterans advocate Gretchen Smith, and Jimmy Fortune performs on Huckabee.
Senator Martha McSally celebrates American resilience. And the stars of the new rom-com, Home Sweet Home, join us. Well, we're glad to have you back on this Memorial Day weekend. My next guest has been a public servant devoted to the ideals of service and the rule of law. But his new book exposes how partisan DC insiders ignored the rules and tried to oust the incoming Trump administration. Former Acting Attorney General Matthew Whitaker, welcome to our show. Delighted to have you here. Thanks for joining us. So glad to be with you, Governor. Your book is titled Above the Law, and it's a book people need to read if they're genuinely interested in what's been happening to America the last few years. What, what is it that America will be shocked at when they read Above the Law? Well, I think first of all, you know, I tried to present it as a historically accurate account to tell the story and to make sure this never happens again. And when I say this, I mean the attempt to subvert President Trump, to prosecute members of his administration, you know, you look at what's happening with General Flynn currently, and you just have to think this is not the way it's done and this can never happen again in our nation's history. And, you know, I think fundamentally um, we had a few bad actors at the Department of Justice, uh, a couple at the top of the FBI, and I think they um, didn't follow the rules. They did not follow regular order. They cut corners. And ultimately, we had a criminal investigation into a president of the United States that had no evidence to justify the, uh, the investigation's existence. Somebody who's been saying what you just said for quite some time is Congressman Devin Nunes of uh, California, who, by the way, gave your book a glowing review, which is uh, uh, a nice bump for it. But I think a lot of us are, are really maybe not just frustrated, we're concerned that the FBI has lost a lot of its credibility. Can it get it back? I think it can. There are a lot of good men and women at the FBI that work hard every day uh, outside of the attention of the lights and cameras to make sure that they keep us safe and protect us from really some of the uh, bad actors that are out to get uh, American citizens. But that being said, um, you know, people want accountability everywhere I've gone uh, since I left the Department of Justice. That's what I hear is when is somebody going to be held accountable? I think that day is coming. Bill Barr has said that John Durham, the U.S. attorney from Connecticut that is looking into the origins of the Russian collusion fable, is, uh, is, has targets that he is investigating people, and I think we should get some accountability uh, as soon as this summer. Some of the things that I think trouble us, uh, you talk about this in the book, Above the Law, but it, it's that there seems to be a double standard of justice. People like Andrew McCabe, who was uh, in the very highest levels of the FBI, um, Basically, what he did was supposedly just maybe lacking candor. Yet Michael Flynn was convicted of basically being entrapped by an interview. He was not under oath. Um, th this is troubling if the law enforcement people are held to a standard that is much lower uh, than the people who are being investigated and yet didn't even know they were investigated. Well. In, in my book, Above the Law, I talk about this double standard, and this is the exact example that I give, is, is Andy McCabe, who lied to federal agents, just uh, like General Flynn was alleged to have done, except his lying was actually material to an ongoing investigation, the leak of classified information. And so, you know, I, I think that you can't look at both those cases side by side 
and suggest that somehow Andy McCabe was given a, a walk and General Flynn was put through, you know, quite frankly, the fires of hell um, and now continues to have to fight with a judge who wants to start an extrajudicial process to try to make sure that he is prosecuted when the government has said, we, we are no longer pursuing this case. You've been between two attorney generals, uh, Jeff Sessions and uh, Bill Barr. Uh, you're watching this situation with General Flynn and Judge Emmett Sullivan, who said, I'm not just going to drop it, even though the DOJ says they're not going to prosecute it. I mean, that has to be a, a stunning development, is that the judge himself, you've been a U.S. attorney, you've been attorney general. Have you ever seen anything like this? I haven't, and this is one of the themes of my book, is that we need to return to the rule of law, and everyone needs to follow the rules. The federal rules of criminal procedure do not allow a judge to insert himself into the judgment of whether or not to pursue a case. The prosecutor has the charging decisions. The prosecutor, which is the executive branch, has throughout you know, all of our years of our um, Anglo-American system of justice, for hundreds of years, the executive branch has always been the ones to pursue cases. Judges provide the venue to pursue that, to make sure the rights are protected and that evidence is, is properly admitted or excluded. But, you know, this is, I, I have never seen anything like this before in my life, and I think it is very dangerous to the confidence of the American people in our system of justice if a judge is going to put his thumb on the scale. Matt, I think that's why your book is so important. I'm, I'm so grateful that you wrote it. I hope people will read it because you had a front row seat to the history of all of this in a way no one else did. And uh, I'm, I'm sure people are going to be shocked as well as enlightened when they read it. So glad to have you here with us, Matt. Thank you very, very much. Well, Keith My Bilby pleasure. is standing by. He's going to tell you how to get Matt Whitaker's revealing new book. Keith, tell us how to do it. And it's flying off the shelves right now. Get your copy of Above the Law on Amazon or your favorite bookstore. And follow the former acting attorney general on Twitter at Matt Whitaker 46 or his website, MatthewGWhitaker.com. Next, protecting your religious freedom with Brian Gibson. Then Charlie Daniels and Gretchen Smith stand for veterans. Later, George Jones' widow, Nancy Jones, and author Mark Hook join Mike right here on Huckabee. Go to MikeHuckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter and follow at GovMikeHuckabee on Twitter. And welcome back. And uh, I would say a big hand for Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. But the audience isn't here. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we got Keith Bilbrey, the sound of one hand clapping over there. <laughs> but they would be clapping if they were here. And we hope that they will be here in the near future. We certainly hope so. We miss our audience. Well, speaking of missing an audience, my next guest is a pastor. And he says that every day that the pandemic shutdown orders continue and churches remain closed, a bit of liberty dies. He's launched a movement. It's called Peaceably Gather so that people can safely reopen churches and restore constitutional rights to practice faith. Please welcome Pastor Brian Gibson. Pastor, great to have you here. Well, Governor, it's an honor to be here. Thank you so much for having us. It really is special to be with you today. I think every church in America, I know mine 
like other churches, did online services, you know, for several weeks. That's all they had. But there comes a point at which, uh, you know, the Bible tells us to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And I think some pastors are saying, we can't do this forever. It, it's not about the church building and, and the meeting. It's about the encouragement that we get. What was the last straw for you that said, we, we need to practice our faith again? Our church put together a drive-through Easter egg handout for kids, mm. workers less than 10 wearing masks and gloves, we advertise it heavily. Nobody's getting out of cars. It's a drive-through. On the day we were going to do that drive-through, we get a call from the Green River Health Department, which was an extension of Governor Bashir, telling us, you can't do that. You can't pass out these eggs. I complied that day. I wish I wouldn't have, Governor, yeah. uh, because my people are sitting at our church house. Yeah. They're looking across the road at the fast food places with a teenage kid putting french fries in cardboard boxes. The liquor stores are serving their patrons. The coffee shops are pushing lattes and breves. And the message became loud and clear. And it, it affected me. You know, you've got campuses in several locations. Uh, you started the movement called Peaceably Gather. Yes, sir. Now, it's gathering steam is what it's gathering because there are a lot of pastors like you. Uh, look, I know the critics, they're gonna say, you don't care about people getting infected. You're putting people's lives at risk. What do you say to those folks when they tell you that? Well, the movement is peaceablygather.com, and it comes from the First Amendment where we have a right to peaceably assemble. Also, we have a right to freedom of religion, right? Government won't, won't have a state religion, and it can't hinder religion. Yeah. And we're saying we want to be safe, we want to be sane, right? We're not crazy, but we are constitutional. And I promise you, my critics, you are more safe in my church services than you are in a Walmart with a thousand people. And you don't know who those folks are. Yeah, 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 I don't know who they are, but think about people walking through a grocery store, handling produce, setting it back down. Yeah. You, I drove by Home Depot, I think they were having a rave in there or something, because the parking lots <laughs> are full. It's the only place and, people could go. Yeah, it's where so, they're going. So let's to talk park. about some of the things you are doing, uh, Pastor Gibson, that, that make people safe and really kind of defy this notion that you're reckless when you have church. Yes, sir. People are being ushered in. We have our seating set up. Uh, I know at one of the campuses, it's, it's setting in seats of six and then seats of three. By the way, Governor Abbott, it's been incredible in Texas, called us essential. I want to thank President Trump for saying church is essential. Mm. Uh, Governor Bashir has said we are not essential. And uh, come this next election cycle, I believe he's going to become non-essential for the state of Kentucky. <laughs> and that's what I, I'm going to see to it, that he becomes non-essential. You are on your way to Chicago to, uh, to gather with a, a group of uh, people in the Romanian church? Yes, sir. I may have to bail you out, friend, because they're well, not real happy up there. Uh, the mayor and the governor of Illinois, mayor of Chicago, governor of Illinois, not exactly the friendliest people toward church. Boy, you ought to come with me because I understand you're one of the finest preachers in the world. And I'll watch you preach up there. We can go to jail together. Maybe we'll get, maybe we'll get the same cell. Uh, you know, I, I made a pledge and uh, I was on, on Fox News interviewed by Harris Faulkner. And I really feel like if I'm asking pastors and I'm asking pastors, yeah. uh, religious leaders, priests, rabbis, it's not just a Christian issue, it's a constitutional issue. Open up your houses of worship, do it safe, do it sane. And I said, listen, if you're afraid to go to jail, mm. I'll come and go to jail with you. Yeah. Uh, I, think, I think the sentiment in America is we are America. It's in our DNA. We have religious freedom. And so 
Thousands of more churches are coming on with us. We've linked arms with networks in Chicago. Uh, got networks from Pennsylvania calling. I got friends from Hawaii calling, friends from Alaska. I believe by Pentecost Sunday, there's not just going to be thousands. There's going to be tens of thousands of churches. They go back into the house of worship safely and sanely. And we're saying, this isn't Vietnam. This yeah. is America. Well, I appreciate what you're doing. I think America does. And I want to tell you, uh, if I, I'm unable to go this weekend, but I'm going to send Trey Corley up there with you because uh, he's never been in jail and, and it's time he experiences well, it. Well, let's, let's break him in. God. All right, we'll, do, Brian, we'll do it right. God bless you. And, and I want to remind everybody, look, Brian is not sending people in to hug and, and uh, you know, swap bodily fluids by mouth kissing or anything like that. It's a safe environment that he's promoting. And uh, we're grateful for what he's doing. Keith, would you tell everybody how they can get involved in this important movement led by Pastor Gibson? Well, if you're a pastor, rabbi, priest, or worshiper, I encourage you to visit peaceablygather.com to learn your First Amendment rights and to sign the petition supporting restoration of religious freedom. That's peaceablygather.com. You can also learn more about Pastor Brian Gibson at hischurch.cc and on Twitter, at Lead Pastor. Coming up, advocates for our veterans, Charlie Daniels and Gretchen Smith, plus the life of George Jones with Nancy Jones and Mark Cook. And country music star Jimmy Fortune sings a Memorial Day tribute on Huckabee. Welcome back. Well, my next guests include a good friend from the music business and an Air Force veteran who both share a love for our veterans. They've teamed up to help veterans who are struggling during the coronavirus pandemic. Would you please welcome the hardest working man in show business, Charlie Daniels by Skype, and Gretchen Smith, who is right here in our studio. Thanks to both of you for being here. Delighted. Charlie, let me start with you because uh, you and I have known each other a long time. I have watched you do things for veterans. You have your own organization uh, that's been doing it. This is obviously something very important to you and you've teamed up with Gretchen. What, what is it that you guys are hoping you can do? Well, we're just kind of teaming up here, hoping to help more veterans. Nobody has a bigger heart for the veterans than Gretchen does. And, she is a, a veteran herself, as you said, and she they communicate well with her. You know, it's hard to get a veteran to ever tell you they need anything to start with. They're very proud people, and uh, she has a way with them. She identifies a lot of need, and we just came along and felt like it was a good place to put some of our journey home money, especially during this time when a lot of veterans are out of work and the need is so heavy. You know, Gretchen, I can't think of a better uh, partner and friend to have in this than Charlie Daniels and his Journey Home Project has helped a countless number of veterans. You have an organization, Code of Vets. Yes. You're finding a lot of people are struggling with the coronavirus that, that, that are a whole new set of issues now. 
Oh, absolutely. This this pandemic has taken us into an entirely different level of assisting vets. Uh, we are really helping good men and women that are hard workers that have lost their jobs. They have no paychecks and no ability to feed their families or pay basic bills. These are our men and women who've put the uniform on, taken the oath and sacrificed their number of years of their life to protect us. So it is a blessing to have Charlie partner with us during this time to use his name to be able to raise the donations needed to cover these veterans because they are worthy men and women. Gretchen, how can people help you? What do they need to do? Do they go to a website? Do they contribute money? Let's talk about specifically, it's Memorial Day weekend. People ought to be thinking about the veterans this weekend if they never think about them at another time. How can they help? Please go to the CodeOfVets.com or the JourneyHomeProject.org websites and donate. Uh, you can set, you can sign up to volunteer. We need boots on the ground. We help veterans throughout the country. We operate purely on social media, so we need people out there who are willing to go take a, a, a couple bags of groceries to veterans who are hungry. Can and you help them connect to those veterans? Abso absolutely. We have a vet by state link that you can sign up to volunteer in your community. We will match you with local veterans in your community. It's it's an amazing. We've got it set up. We just you know if you build it, they will come. And mm -hmm. since Charlie's come on board, we have raised $350,000 since April 17th. Wow. And we have helped hundreds of veterans throughout the country. But guess what? There is so much more that we need. You know, Charlie, you may have found the most effective partner in helping <laughs> veterans I've ever seen. I think uh, Gretchen equals you and her passion. <laughs> I'll tell you, you ought to read some of Gretchen's applications if you would like to know what they need. I'm, I'm talking about not they need to make a car payment. They need to buy their next meal. Mm. They don't have the money for a hamburger. They got children. They're single parents. And I mean, it's just literally heartbreaking to think we've got that many men and women who put their their lives between us and our enemies and that they have need for, don't know where the next meal's coming from or how they're going to pay the rent this month. And I promise you one thing, if you donate to either one of these organizations, the money will get to where it's going. We don't use up money doing operations and stuff. We get it to the veterans. Uh, Gretchen, you served in the Air Force, uh, so you're a veteran yourself. But what's your story on how did you feel so uh, compelled to create Code of Vets? My dad. My dad was the mm. inspiration. He was a combat vet. He lost his battle with PTSD back in 2005. Oh. He was a good soldier. He was airborne infantry. Uh, came back from the jungle, a changed man, and lived a chaotic life. Uh, and, and I believe his behavior on the outside reflected how he felt on the inside. He was a shattered spirit and never got the help that he need, so, needed. So I wanted to honor my dad's life, his service, and his life mattered. And mm. I, I just want other veterans to know that you don't have to walk that path alone. We are here for you. If you share that load, it, it, there's no cure for PTSD, but when you share your demons and you share that load with your other brothers and sisters in arms, it makes it manageable. Gretchen, I, I think there is a combat veteran looking down from above who's awfully proud of his daughter. Thank you. Awfully proud of his daughter for living a life to honor and serve the people who, like him, gave their lives for this country. Thank you. Thank you so much. And Charlie, thank you. What a blessing always to see you and to be able to be with you. I hope you'll give generously the addresses for the websites we've told you, and they're on your screen. Keith, one more time, tell the viewers how they can help, and uh, please know that virtually every single penny is going straight to helping veterans through this pandemic. 
Well, CodeOfVets.com is where you can join with Charlie Daniels and Gretchen Smith in serving our veterans during this time of pandemic. That's CodeOfVets.com. You can also learn about Charlie's other efforts in serving our military veterans at the JourneyHomeProject.org. Next, stories of the great music artist George Jones from his bride Nancy Jones and author Mark Cook. Plus, country music star Jimmy Fortune performs on Huckabee. And welcome back. As we come back into uh, the sounds of Trey Corley and the Music City Connection, living in America, which is what we're trying to do these days. Not the easiest thing in the world with all the lockdown. Well, Nancy Jones is the wife of the greatest country singer of all time, the late, great George Jones, a man whose distinctive voice mesmerizes. Now, she's joined tonight by a producer of Hollywood blockbusters who now helps men connect with God. And they're working together on two very exciting projects. Would you please welcome Nancy Jones and Mark Cook. Great to have Thank you both you. here. Thank you for having me. You know, Nancy, um, I, I, I listen to George's music all the time. Uh, there's just no one like him. I mean, his voice rings through the ages. There'll never be another George Jones, only people who want to be. There'll never be anyone that loved country music like George Jones. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is for sure. And tonight we're talking about something very different. Mark Cook, you're with us, and um, this is an in interesting project. You're going to work on a movie about the life of George Jones, which we'll talk about in a moment. Right. But the both of you are actually teaming up right here and now on a brand new book called The First Hour for Men. It is, uh, it's not a, a, like a book you sit down and read. It's, it's a workbook. Praise God for that, because most men don't like to read, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's true, they don't. Right. But this is not that kind of book. This is uh, helping men to spend their first hour of each day with God. Right. Where'd you get the idea for this? I'll tell you, I, God woke me up 15 years ago, and I just became a Christian then. And it was like over and over in my mind was, that's how the Holy Spirit speaks to us, the thoughts is get up, give me your first hour, give me 30 minutes of prayer and 30 minutes of reading the Bible, and I'm going to rock your world, Mark Cook. <laughs> and I needed my world rock, you know? And that's how it evolved. But the 18 prayers in there that, that God put in systematic order changed my life. And the first prayer is putting the armor of God on. And what most people don't realize, our struggle is not against flesh and blood or politicians. It's against <laughs> principalities of darkness yeah. in heavenly places. And so the first prayer is putting the armor on. The second one is asking for forgiveness. And the third one's a fresh refilling of the Holy Spirit. And those three prayers alone in that book are radically transforming men. You know, because Mark, I this is not the stuff that Hollywood producers are known for. Yeah. Talking to God. Yeah. Everything but God. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you must have not just rocked your personal world, but you must have rocked the world of some of your friends that you had associated with in Hollywood doing movies when they said, Mark's lost his mind, he's now. Yeah, well, lost in space, saved by grace. That's the testament <laughs> I do. And it's like, God pulled me out of the Hollywood of muck. I wasn't seeking him. And, uh, you know, when we just, I'm finding out that when you give God your first hour and really seek him, he'll show up. Yeah. You, you can't spend an hour a day in prayer and reading his word 
without him not showing up. And that's how I met this young lady. And we, when I met her about George Jones and she asked me if I wanted to produce a movie, I'm like, I'm out of the movie business. No. <laughs> then she sent me that book. Yeah. And the reason I liked it, I said, my wife's got to read this. I mean, this guy makes me look like a choir boy. <laughs> and, and, and if you go to thefirsthour.com yeah. and see my testimony, I was the A-leaguer partier. I was yeah. the bad boy. So when I first met her and we sat about the movie, and she goes, tell me about the book. I said, our theory is if you heal the man, he can heal the family, hmm. the family can heal the nation. We wow. gotta bring men back. I needed that book. You saw- I needed that book but and give it to George. You saw firsthand, I mean, Nancy, I think every one of us who loves George Jones, loves you because you saved his life and gave him another many years uh, to bless his fans and to come to know the Lord and to live the last chapter of his life as the best chapter of his life. But George was always really very spiritual. It's a lot of things that a lot of people did not know about George. That mm -hmm. was some of the things how I could control George was to start talking about the good Lord. Huh. And he used to tell me, he'd say, I, I, this song, I want you to claim it. And I'm like, oh gosh, what is he talking about? The song was walk through this world with me. Mm. I did. And, the, and it says, go where I go. I took that journey with George Jones, and that's what this movie is going to be about, the journey that I took with George Jones to show there was really a great spiritual man there. We just had to do the evil spirits and get them out, and we did. Well, you know, I can't wait to see what is gonna be a phenomenal biopic. And, and I think now I understand, because I was trying to figure out the connection between Mark's phenomenal book about the first hour in the morning being dedicated to God and George Jones. Now I see it. Nancy, you are partnering with Mark to get this book in the hands of a million men. Why don't you guys tell us how, how you're gonna do that? I, I, I gotta tell you, when I first met with her and she caught the vision, Heal the Man, yeah. it all starts with the man. And I said, we wanna give this book away free. You know, mm. God laid in my heart, we need to give away a million books. And she, she bought 100,000 books at her first meeting. Wow. She goes, I want to buy 100,000 books to get them into the hands of, she wants to help more, more or less the women saying, the women, we're getting more orders for free books from women because the man's not the spiritual leader of the house. He's I have awesome. a feeling a lot of Father's Day gifts are gonna be All this right, book. That's what we're waiting to this is, I can see this now. Yes, I can. You gotta make me a promise. You gotta come back when the movie is about ready to premiere so that we can promote it and talk about it. I can't wait for it. Absolutely. But in the meantime, I don't have to wait for this. Right. This is a phenomenal book that every man in America will be blessed to have. Now, Keith, I know Nancy and Mark wanna get this book into the hands of men all over the nation. I wish you'd tell our viewers how they can get their free copy of The First Hour for Men. Well, to get your free copy of The First Hour for Men 30-Day Journey, visit thefirsthour.com. That's thefirsthour.com. Click on the yellow button or text the word Jesus to 484-848 to receive your free copy of The First Hour. Coming up, the great Jimmy Fortune joins us for a special Memorial Day tribute, plus closing thoughts with Mike here on Huckabee.
and welcome back, everybody. Now, when the legendary Statler brothers retired in 2002, it launched the award-winning solo career of one of the members, the golden tenor voice, Jimmy Fortune. I've read a review of his appearance at a concert that benefited the restoration of the Arkansas boyhood home of Johnny Cash. He appeared with some great artists. I mean, people like Vince Gill and the Gatlin brothers, many others. But it was the performance by Jimmy Fortune that had the audience on their feet and cheering their lungs out. His latest record is titled God and Country. It is a powerful mix of songs that honors our nation and its people. Jimmy Fortune, I'm so glad you're here. Welcome. Well, thank you for that wonderful introduction. I don't know if I can live up to that, but I appreciate it. <laughs> well, you know, I think you live up to it every time you stand on the stage. Well, thank you so much. God's been good to me through the years, being with a, a group like the Statler Brothers, the most awarded act in the history of country music. I still I pinch myself sometimes to realize that I was there for almost 21 years. And so it's been almost 18 years now since the Statler Brothers retired. You know, it's hard for me to believe that they've retired that long. Yeah. But when I think back, you were in your 20s when they reached out to you and said, how would you like to uh, be part of the Statler Brothers? Must have been a big deal. I was 26 going on 12. <laughs> and uh, thank God, it was a long story uh, uh, behind all of it, but thank God they, they chose an old country boy from Virginia that never had nothing, and I probably never would have had anything if it hadn't been for the Statler Brothers. This album that you have, God in Country, I mean, it's, it's maybe going to be a signature album for you, but there's a song, and you're going to do it with us tonight. <clears throat> Meet Me at Arlington. Right. Tell me the story behind that song. Well, uh, my songwriting partner by the name of Dave Clark, who happens to be my neighbor, came over to my <laughs> house one morning. He said, you've got to see this. He recorded it on his phone. He was watching Fox News, and there was a Gold Star mom who was watching the, this on Fox News. There was a professor in in California, uh, he was uh, putting down a student for uh, wearing a Marine shirt, wanting to be a soldier. And he was putting, putting him down all these terrible things he was saying about our country and about our soldiers. And this Gold Star mom was asked, you know, how she felt about that. And she said, well, I wish he would meet me at Arlington. Mm. Then maybe he would know how I feel. And when she said that, and he showed me that on that phone, uh, we looked at each other and said, a songwriter's alarm goes off, you know. <laughs> we got to write that song, and so we did. And it's, so it, it's, it's really touched a lot of people, and it's so true. Uh, if you walk around Arlington, if you've been there, I'm sure you have. I have. It's such a moving place to see the mm. sacrifices that have been made for our country. Um, freedom's not free. It's paid for dearly by so many who've given their lives for us. Can't think of a better time to do the song Meet Me in Arlington than Memorial Day weekend. And, and Jimmy, thank you for writing it. Thank you for performing it. And uh, when everybody hears it, they're going to want to have a copy of it. We're happy to have you here. Thank it is an amazing patriotic song. As I say, so perfect for Memorial Day. I want our audience to hear it. So what do you say? We just go ahead and play it. Absolutely. I was standing in my kitchen Listening to the morning news Some angry man was talking God, he didn't have a clue He was putting down our souls Fighting all those wasted wars I just had to turn it on I couldn't take it anymore 
They left behind names and numbers etched in stone here before their time. And when you see the case on road and you hear the music play, when you see a child kneeling by their fallen father's grave, well, man, if that don't change, then I don't understand. If you can't see it from where you are, then look from where I am. Meet me at Arlington. I'll introduce you to my son. Maybe then you'll know just how I feel. White souls that go.
To get your copy of Meet Me at Arlington from Jimmy Fortune's album, God and Country, please go to jimmyfortune.com or you can buy it everywhere music is sold. Now, here is Mike with a closing thought for you. And special thanks to Jimmy Fortune for his stirring song, Meet Me at Arlington. It reminds us of the sacrifice of those who gave their lives for our freedom. A walk through a veteran cemetery this weekend might be a great way to get some fresh air and a fresh perspective about those whose service we should never forget, always respect, and make sure that no future generation of Americans take for granted. Memorial Day weekend is too often little more than an extended party of heading to the lakes, beaches, parks, and picnics. A lot of plans are gonna be adjusted this year due to the coronavirus, but we should enjoy America's treasures and freedoms, but never without remembering the high price paid for it. A few years ago, my wife and I stood on Omaha Beach on the shores of Normandy, where thousands of Allied troops landed on D-Day, June the 6th of 1944. It was a sobering reminder of one of our nation's most dramatic battles and the suffering and the death it caused. We ask if the local people felt guilty about enjoying those beaches now where so much blood had been shed decades before. Our guide who lives there told us that the veterans who came back to visit felt there was no greater way to honor their service and sacrifice than to allow those beaches to be a place of freedom and enjoyment. Those courageous men didn't die to keep people locked up, but to be let go. I never forget his words or the truth in them. So feel no guilt for your backyard barbecue or a trip to the beach or lake or park. But if you forget why you have your freedom and fail to remember those who gave it to you, then shame on you and shame on us all. Have a great and safe weekend. And we're gonna see you again next week. Our entire team thanks you for joining us. And we leave you with our prayer for God to bless America.